Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for this episode. Our guest today is Susan McPherson, the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies and the author of The Lost Art of Connecting. Susan has an early memory that shaped her perspective on how to build relationships. Growing up, she would watch her parents sit at the breakfast table every morning, cutting out newspaper articles that they found interesting. Every day, they wrote notes to their friends and sent it in the mail along with these newspaper cuttings. It was their way of saying, Hey, I'm thinking of you. And that was their way of nurturing relationships with friends and family. In this episode, Susan shares the keys to connecting with people and what you can do to grow your community. As a successful entrepreneur, she credits her people skills to building a thriving business. Susan encourages us to always look for ways to be helpful to others. When you meet someone new, simply ask, how can I help? Learn practical tips and proven principles in Susan's book, The Lost Art of Connecting a gather-ask-do method for building meaningful relationships. Visit gobeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Susan. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the Beyond Bearers podcast. So lovely to have you on the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you very, very much. Well, I've been uh, following you for a very long time and been so inspired by your work and uh, also the community uh, you fostered and uh, the people you've helped. And it's been an inspiration. And the reason uh, we wanted to share your story and your wisdom on uh, with our audience is um, in a world that's increasingly digitally connected, uh, it seems like most people have never felt more disconnected. And so much of what you share and how to go about it is powerful advice for these times. So I want to, uh, you know, share all of that from and congratulations on the launch of your book. Uh, We're thrilled for our readers to uh, our audience to read the book. Wow, I am honored. And I have to just say, you know, now a year and a half or so after the book was published, I'm still kind of surprised that people are reading it. (laughs) It's just one of those things when I meet someone and they say, oh, I read your book. I look at them. I'm like, what? It's a surreal moment, but um, it's a joyful one at that. So thank you. Well, I think it speaks to how uh, timeless and relevant uh, the messages and the teachings are in the book. So, but let's uh, start at the beginning. Tell us, uh, you know, uh, a little bit about your journey and the most important lesson you've learned. That's a big question, especially <laughs> who's had nine lives, probably ten <laughs> after the book. The book was published, um, but I have to say, and I'm I'm really really grateful for this one key mantra that was literally embedded in me from a young from, from being a young child in the late 60s 70s and that was thanks to my parents and it's this notion that every single person no matter who they are where they came from the role they play in the, in society their religion the color of their skin was deserving of our attention our compassion our kindness and our curiosity 
And mm-hmm. that has been something that I think probably took me to age 50. I'm 58 now to really crystallize and understand mm-hmm. how I became whatever I am today. But I love people. I love all people. I love learning about people. And I do believe that that came from that notion, as well as getting rid of being, having preconceived notions, speaking of notions, mm-hmm. assuming someone isn't isn't important to us because they do this, that, or the other. When in Mm. actuality, we don't know what we don't know. That to me has been my guiding light, guiding principle, and has probably led me to want to deeply connect with many, many people from all sorts of places, things up and down the world, up and down North and South America and Europe and, and, um, and the African continent. That is so powerful and uh, truly, you know, the most important lesson for every human being, uh, you know, most important guiding principle to live by. Um, And it, you know, your love for people and connecting and learning and curiosity about people is also manifested in a career that taps into that. Did, you know, how did you kind of connect the dots between, you know, what your natural strengths are and what you are passionate about with uh, a career path um, and how it emerged? It took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, again, I don't want to make this about age, but it is amazing the crystallization and the and yeah. the, the, the the vision you have when you are looking back rather than looking forward. Um, I'm not suggesting to all the 30-somethings listening and the 20-somethings that you have to get to be 58 to figure it out. Um, but I, I do believe that it has been a culmination. Um, mm. I mentioned to you my parents, well, in the when I was growing up every morning at the breakfast table, literally no joke, both of them would sit down with the five local newspapers, yesterday's or the day before's New York Times, because it came via the mail at that, at that mm. point. We're so used to everything being instantaneous. Yeah. And they would sit there with their scissors or razor blade, clipping and cutting articles of interest that remain that reminded them of people, and then going to their respective manual typewriters, typing little short little notes, just things like we do on social media today or via email yeah. or via WhatsApp or text. But it would be very intentional and very kind. And it would be, I'm just thinking of you. And mm-hmm. off to the mail, five or ten of these would go every day. And I assume this is what everybody did. And as I traversed my professional journey, I did some semblance of that to Mm. connect people, to stay in touch with people, to stay relevant. And I think, honestly, that enabled me to found, find, found my business at 48, Mm. uh, which is now a vibrant consulting firm. We have 15 employees. Uh, We work with such major companies as Zoetis and Ford Motor and major NGOs such as the Women's Mm -hmm. Philanthropy Institute and Games for Change. And I believe that all of that came from building connections in my 20s, in my 30s, in my good part of my 40s. Wow. Um, that's, uh, the visual of your parents sitting at the dining table with newspapers. Uh, you know, it's a really powerful image and I can see how it would be, uh, you know, such a phenomenal lesson to learn at an early age. Um, how have you kind of translated that, you know, in using modern digital tools? I'm just curious because it, you know, um, 
when so few people kind of take the time to actually nurture relationships, we're used to just clicking that button on LinkedIn and saying connect, but there's nothing that happens after that. Uh, how, how do you foster relationships? Lots of advice. But number one, how, I always ask audiences and my podcast hosts, how often do you click yes? And then within an hour, someone is selling you something, <laughs> asking you to do something. And I always say, what if we flip the switch? And when we connected with someone or asked to connect with someone on LinkedIn, that instead we offer up something. Mm. Okay. At least as the first, as the first lob, right? If you're thinking yeah. of tennis analogy. Yeah. And for me, it's always been leading with how we can be helpful to others. And mm. that can be really challenging because oftentimes we don't know what our superpowers are. So part of what I believe is doing that digging and making sure we know how we can be helpful so that when we reach out and connect, it's not, hi, Barry, can I pick your brain? Or, mm. hi, I'm looking for a promotion. How can you help me? But rather, mm. hi, Jean, I know you just got a promotion at your company and you're going to be hiring. And I know three candidates who could be excellent for you. Or, hi, mm. I just heard this podcast and I thought, given your blah, 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 it could be of interest. And I get it. People hear me say that and think, who has time? But what I'm saying is I'm living proof of making those little micro investments of time will come back to help you. So flip yeah. the squ switch when you're thinking about connecting and before you hit that send on LinkedIn and think about how in some shape, way or form, it doesn't have to be writing a huge check. It doesn't have to be giving up your first or 10th child. It's yeah. really doing a little bit of research and, you know, we have all the tools we need to look up someone to, beforehand to know how we can be mm -hmm. helpful. You can find out somebody's career trajectory on LinkedIn. You can find out what they are upset about on, on Twitter. You can find out if they have children, yeah. grandchildren on Instagram. So there's enough to paint a picture of a way. Mm -hmm. And I fervently believe no matter who you are, or what age, or where you are in your career, we all can be helpful to one another without sacrificing our own well-being. And that's important. Uh, that's fantastic. So start with how can I help? Um, you know, because when it's, it's truly a reflection of caring for another individual as opposed to thinking about how can you, uh, what can you get out of someone else and, and flipping uh, to giving instead of taking mm -hmm. is key. Um, let's uh, dig into your book, um, you know, and, uh, you know, share with our audience, the, uh, you know, gather, ask you method, and uh, kind of what the book uh, really highlights, and uh, why they should read this book to learn about the skills that uh, are so essential for success. Well, it's exactly what I was just talking about. But I'll, I'll give you a 30,000 foot view of the gather, ask yeah. you, which Given that I, I, I can say at least with more confidence today versus a year ago that we, we are moving out of the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people feel trepidatious about connecting because it was a very isolating time. And, you know, for some people, extremely and extraordinarily isolating. I know for me, it was really challenging. I had, I have no partner or spouse, no kids and no parents. So it was a lot mm -hmm. of time alone with my beloved mm -hmm. pop courses is sadly no longer. But um, the gather, ask, do is the methodology. But keep in mind, underlying gather, ask, do is what I just shared and that notion of how we can be helpful to others. Mm. You first do a deep dive to connect with yourself, okay? Mm. 
and you assess what your superpowers are because we can only be helpful to others if we know what we're good at. And don't mm-hmm. think, don't overthink it. In fact, I often suggest just asking people that you know, ask your loved ones, ask your pets, what mm-hmm. are your superpowers? And before you say, yeah. I don't have any, I just, I'm <laughs> a freshman in college or I'm not going to college, I don't have any, you have them. Secondly, you think about what your goals are, are over the next one year, three year, five years. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that, you think about who it is that you want to connect with or reconnect with that will mm-hmm. help finish those goals. But always with that mindful of how can I be helping those people meet their mm-hmm. goals? Yeah. Lastly, and very importantly, you think about how you are going to break that literally sealed bubble that so many of us live in where we tend to connect and network with people who look like us, sound like us, mm-hmm. uh, have the same you know career as us same race and color as us. How do we break that empirically sealed bubble? Because that is what is going to truly build connections that help you learn. So that's mm. the In the ask phase, you learn to ask the meaningful questions of others so you can find out what their hopes and dreams are. Mm. Okay? And if you listen carefully, which we are woefully bad at, myself included, we can go to the do phase. And the do phase is when you actually respond. You become reliable, trustworthy, everything that you want to be as a mm. person, as well as a professional. And again, that goes back to when you say you're going to do something, follow up, but also being helpful, being resourceful, yeah. and being kind. Yeah. I, I love this framing because it also helps people overcome that uh, fear of not wanting to reach out and connect with someone that they don't know because they're afraid of rejection or afraid of, you know, burdening someone. Uh, and we hear that from women in our community often about, you know, everyone tells you that it's important to build strong relationships, but I just don't know how to get started. I don't know the very first step to take. Um, and this provides a very actionable framework to do exactly that. So uh, I'm excited for our audience to read your book and put all of these uh, very proven principles into practice. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. What it was like for you to start your business uh, in your mid to late 40s and, uh, you know, to it's never easy to start a business. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the clarity of not only launching a new business, but having built that to such success. As an entrepreneur, what are some of the key things you've learned in that journey? Well, first and foremost, I do want to set the record straight. It was a placeholder until I found my next job. Um, I had left a consulting firm because there were uh, a lot of people exiting. And mm-hmm. in the consulting world, when a lot of senior staff leave, it, 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 it's kind of a red light that you need to either you know figure out. So yeah. a couple of organizations said, Susan, if you leave, we will go ahead and pay you for a few months. So mm. uh, the last time I had gone without a paycheck, I was 15. So I was terrible. Wow. 
And I hung my shingle. I named it McPherson Strategies, which honestly, if I thought it was going to be something, I would have been much more creative. It's my ex-husband's name. We divorced in 2003. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness he's a good guy. So, you know, that that's fine. But the point being, I would have been much more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, at about six months in, a lot of business started coming. And a very wise uh, sustainability consultant, Jacqueline Ottman, I still remember having a, a chat with her at Columbus Circle, which is a, a, an area in, in midtown yeah. Manhattan. And she said to me, Susan, you have to do something that for some women is very, very challenging. Um, she was probably in her 60s at that point and had been a consultant for many years. And she said, we have a tendency to hoard during the good times because we're preparing for maybe when the bad times hit. And I was like, bingo. And she said, in this role, you want to spend when it's good times. And you need mm. people on your team that are going to do the things so that you can get out and do what you're good at. Business cultivation, building yeah. connections, getting the word out, you know, it, 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 growing the business. And it a light bulb went off in my head. And at that point in time, I brought on two other people as contractors because mm. I was still terrified. But lo and behold, if I hadn't done that, if I had stayed and kind of been like a, a squirrel and kept all the nuts, yeah. Yeah. I never would have grown. And that's pretty much the, the some of the, the really important learnings. And to this day, it is very much about hiring people that do the good thing, do the things that I suck at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, building great teams and, uh, you know, Staying in your superpower, uh, you know, is is uh, powerful leverage. Um, what were some of the challenges that you faced, uh, which you know uh, you shared some of them of uh, navigating some of these challenges? But like, how did you find the strength and the resilience to navigate through those times? What helped you um, through some of those challenging times? Um, I would have to say my my wonderful friends. Um, you know, really, that's all I have. So, uh, you know, turning to people, I, I don't have a, 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 I've never had a mentor, which is crazy. I mean, I've had informal, like people give me mm-hmm. advice. So I guess I shouldn't say you could call them. Um, mm-hmm. But very much, uh, you know, from my bootstraps, um, you know, mm-hmm. my mom sadly was, was killed when I was 21 in a horrible hotel fire. And um, so I never really got to learn more about her professional career and how she kind of mm-hmm. made it up. But I also think having gone through something like that at such a young age, everything else is relative. Um, mm. And in the 90s, when I worked professionally, I started to see how colleagues would treat our the clients better than they would treat each other. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, if I ever have power, if I'm ever in a, a position where I kind of make the, make the rules, the number one guiding principle is going to be treating each other with kindness, respect. Back to that early mantra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early on, the most important thing of this business is we can't be anything to our clients if we're not treating each other with that kind of care and compassion. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure there have been days when I probably haven't, you know, been true to that. And but mm-hmm. for the most part, that has been the guiding principle. And I think that that has gotten through our darkest times, including, you know, March of 2020 and, and throughout. Sure. Um, we yeah. were virtual since the beginning. So when the pandemic hit, that was one less thing we had to kind of 
mm -hmm. disrupt and, and redo. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't hard because you couldn't bring people together. So, you know, I have team members as far from Washington State all the way to Ethiopia. Um, that, that particular staffer's husband works for the UN. But mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, just I think really trying to live the values that I espouse yeah. and what we espouse in social impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it shows up in the culture that you build, uh, you know, by being the kind of leader who's living those values. Uh, I'm curious about what's your take on, you know, uh, so much of what we're seeing at Twitter now. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, I've personally been horrified by like, the management philosophy and, uh, you know, yeah. And, uh, and it being condoned as well in the pursuit of results, but, uh, the inhumanity of it is just very hard to reconcile. So what would your advice be to up and coming leaders and entrepreneurs and, um, you know, in terms of how they find the right core values to lead by? Well, the good news is, is there is so much information out there today about building a brand, building a company, even a tiny startup and baking in social impact. Um, yeah. you know, I remember years ago, a, a woman said to me, Oh, you know, impact comes after you're profitable. Well, I fervently believe profitability will come faster if you bake it in from the beginning. So mm -hmm. you know, in terms of just like, I hate to be as simple as go and Google it, but there are so many articles and resources about how to build a company. Go to the B Corp website. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe you're not ready to go do the entire B Corp application process, but going through it and reviewing it will tell you ways you can be more impact focused, more sustainable, um, have a lower carbon footprint. That, you know, mm -hmm. so one, do some research. Two, ask your colleagues what's important to them and get them involved from the get go. Yeah. Find out what it is that aligns with your company's ethos. Perhaps it may be the cause of hunger. Perhaps it might be LGBTQ and DE&I. Perhaps it could be, um, you know, refugees and, and migrants. It, perhaps it could be right now the world's in chaos. What can our company be doing to help populations who are, are harmed by such things? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, again, you need to kind of look inside, go to the traditional mm -hmm. research. Um, but again, it's out there. There's so much. 15, 20 mm -hmm. years ago, it didn't exist. Yeah. With the with the large companies that you, uh, you know, advise and work with, uh, you know, with their initiatives, what are some of the key things uh, that you would say if you had to point out two or three things that are essential to success in um, their social impact initiatives? What would those be? Well, as mentioned, as as best as it can be tied in some way to the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, so that mm -hmm. it's logical and, and digestible for people, including your employees. And two, involving everyone from the get-go, that this is not a top-down, this is not the purview of the CEO or the C-suite or the board, and that people can get involved. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it, some of the challenges with, with doing partnerships with nonprofits is, um, and I don't want to, I, 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 I'm, I want to be careful saying this because there are many nonprofits that desperately need funding and partnerships, but mm -hmm. not offer up volunteer opportunities. But I do believe for companies trying to galvanize their employees to get involved, if there is some way that they can volunteer, it, it, it just helps make it more, um, mm -hmm. 
real for employees. Um, but I do think it also, whatever a company does, it has to be baked into the middle of the company, not some kind of silo yeah. over here. Uh, yeah. Part, marketing, sales, communications, legal, HR. It needs to be part of, I think of it like an octopus in every part mm-hmm. of the organization. Yeah. Because it's not just a box to check if you really see that as part of your core mission and core values. And, and that's the real impact of, you know, business existing to do good, not just to do well. Um, um, there are so many different things that you've uh, been involved in and been leading. Um, what keeps you grounded on a day-to-day basis? Well, it was my dog, Phoebe. And tragically, she died suddenly um, a little over two months ago. So I'm searching for what the next thing is, honestly. Um, and hopefully I will find it soon. I mentioned earlier I was fostering puppies. When puppies don't ground you, but they do give you a sense of, of wonder and awe. And they help yeah. you make sure you get up in the morning, not to mention <laughs> throughout the night. Um, so I have to say I'm searching for that right now. Um, yeah. And I still hope that I'll fall in love one day. I've been I've been a single woman for for eight years, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's provided lots of opportunities. But I would like to find one or two or three, maybe <laughs> <laughs> others, um, to perhaps go on trips or have dinner with or go for a yeah. walk. Yeah. Well, I uh, wish you lots of happiness and uh, joy in all of those fears um, because you bring so much to so many people in your life and uh, the community and relationships that you've cultivated. Um, one uh, question that we're often asked is um, how do you identify the right mentor or sponsor um, that can help you achieve your goals, but maybe out of reach. Um, you know, how do you go about doing that? And this is especially for people that are fairly early stage in their careers and, um, you know, may not have that clear sense of their superpower ways that they can help or right. a non-existent network. Um, and access often for first-generation corporate uh, or minority communities can be very daunting. Um I mean, it's hard for me to answer because I have never, as mentioned earlier, had a, a formal mentor program. But one of the things mm-hmm. I very early in my career is um, because I moved around a lot um, to meet new people, whether they were mentors or, or, or um, advisors or friends or potential colleagues, I would join nonprofits that I would mm-hmm. then volunteer for. And what that would do is several things. One, learn things that I wasn't learning in my job or I hadn't learned mm-hmm. in my or graduate school. Two, it would enable me to learn um, to meet people who weren't like me, um, mm-hmm. but have the same values as me. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and three, it was healthier than you know coming home from work and turning on the TV, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that helped me get a broader circle from which to tap, because I think mm-hmm. I would say you know, they, these these individuals have very limited community. But two. I think no matter how small our circle is, we still have a circle. Um, mm. And start with the people that you know. Okay. And it is totally okay to reach out to the people who love and care for you and say, I know you are connected to XYZ. I would love an introduction. And here's why. Mm. Now, granted, the person you're asking always has the chance that they'll ghost you or not respond. I guess that's the same thing. 
or it's just not the right time. But mm -hmm. you have every right to ask and you should. And for the most part, for the most part, people want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think as, as hard as this may be for somebody just starting out, the onerous is on you. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, there are angels that are out there that are going to swoop in. But the sooner you start breaking out of that circle, but using that mm -hmm. circle to break out, the better off you're going to be finding those angels. Mm. How do you see relationships and um, professional communities evolving in the future of work? Um, and this is not just about the digital aspect, but, uh, you know, in the next 10 years as, you know, with AI advancements and everything that's changing in the world of work, um, what do you uh, hope remain is never lost? Connections. <laughs> but I will say, and humanity, right? Yeah. But I will say, if anything, this pandemic has taught us, even though it's the technology that got many of us through who, who worked in, in white collar um, roles, yeah. and that is technology can be a good thing if used with intention. And I, I, I would hope that we don't spend the next 10 years trying to get back to what we were before and instead mm -hmm. use the lessons learned to create a future that we all want, where people feel welcome and people feel that they belong. Um, you know, study after study today shows that employees that are engaged, that feel welcome, that have friends with other employees are much more likely to stay, are mm -hmm. much more likely to recommend that organization to other people, and they're much more likely to be productive. So mm -hmm. the people who hold power in organizations need to do whatever they can to help people feel like they belong. And that doesn't mean yeah. standing up on a bully pulpit saying, we are family, and yeah. put your both selves to work because there are many people who, for good reason, don't feel comfortable being yeah. But the, 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 the end result is an organization where people are much more successful. But that means doing the hard work ahead of time and reaching out to people in all parts of the organization and saying, what are your inhibitions? What can I do in my role to help you along to feel like you, you belong? And it's work. But I do think instead of saying, oh, we are missing the serendipity of the water cooler, we can have serendipity in a Zoom chat. There's something, yeah. it's, it, it, there's something called the chat. You can reach out to somebody and have a conversation. When you were in meetings in the 90s and in the aughts and, you know, 2010 through 2020, you couldn't have a side chat. Yeah. You'd be in right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, I love that. You know, it's, uh, uh, there's, analogy to how you know the old water cooler translates in the new world we just have to see uh you know to create the world we want to live in uh, let's uh jump into our lightning questions uh, so i'm gonna go through a few different questions and uh want to hear what your responses are to these so uh first one what book has greatly influenced you well, this sounds ridiculous, but writing my own really influenced <laughs> me because it helped me really understand all the other books out there and what goes into it and the amount of effort and the, the fact that ev everything needs help, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like a horrible answer, but that would be the first one that comes to my mind. <laughs> well, it also helps to frame your own principles in a way that you can share it with readers. So uh it's uh, how long did the book take you by the way well you know there's people think i mean there's the writing which is eight to yeah. nine 
but there's all the lead up, you know, doing, determining what your topic is, writing your proposal, rewriting your proposal, (laughs) rewriting your proposal again, finding an agent, getting turned down by seven agents who said no one would have interest and then getting discovered by a, a, you know, a fairly decent publishing house. So I would say 2018 and the book published 2021. So, wow. (laughs) Fantastic. What's your favorite inspiring quote or saying? How can I be helpful? Oh, love that. Love that. What is a a one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Genuine. That's what makes you a serial connector, too. (laughs) Or or I've been told she gets the proverbial SHIT done. (laughs) (laughs) What is one change uh, that you implemented that made your life better? I drink a lot less than I did. Mm. Yes. I limit my intake of alcohol. Um, not that I, you know, but during the pandemic, I think like so many of us, I started mm-hmm. to drink and I yeah. pulled back quite a bit. Yeah. But I still like my glass of wine on occasion. So. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what power song would you want playing as you walk out onto a stage? I love Central Reservation by uh, Beth Orton, which is an old, old song. But I just, every time I hear that song, I get just chills and I get happy. That's your power song. Love it. Well, uh, this has been so wonderful, Susan. Thank you for being on the show and for uh, helping so many people around the world uh, learn one of the most powerful um, you know, core habits that can help them go further faster. So uh, we're thrilled that you are who you are and uh, you're bringing light into the world and helping others uh, shine in themselves as well. Thank you so very much. And I could turn that exact comments right back on you, the Beyond Barriers <laughs> podcast. I mean, think of the thousands and thousands of, of people you are helping. So my gratitude to you and my gratitude for this wonderful hour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.